am so excited to be here. I'm telling you, there's nowhere I'd rather be than talking to college students about church planning. And there's no place I would rather do that than North Central. Um, I graduated from North Central in 2000 with a degree in music and urban studies. I'm from Saints Community Church in New Orleans, Louisiana. Um, I'm really excited to represent CMN, represent the Church Multiplication Network. And I just want to say thanks to Dr. John Davidson, that guy in the t-shirt. He's a PhD. So give him a hand. (laughs) It is really humbling to be here. Um, There's so many great ministry people that deserve this opportunity. And this is really a sacred place. I just want to say, just savor every moment. This place is so special, and you don't always realize it when you're just coming every day. But I want to sing a song for you. Is that all right? So I I wasn't going to do this, and I had several people like, no, you got to sing NOLA, baby. So in case you don't know what NOLA is, it's New Orleans, Louisiana, NOLA, okay? Um, So in in New Orleans, they call everybody baby. They're like, hey, baby, your table's ready. Hey, baby, come come on over. We're having some crawfish. Like, they just call everybody baby. Um, So I was praying for the city one day, and I just felt like the Lord showed me that even though New Orleans seems like such a difficult place, there are spiritual things that are God concepts, they're Bible concepts, but people don't realize there that it's a way for them to understand God better. Like, they understand floods, right? I mean, they understand uh, parties. Man, nobody loves a party like New Orleanians. And they understand blood. I mean, there's so much bloodshed in New Orleans. I'm going to talk about that in a few minutes. So I just wrote this song, and it's, um, it's my song of intercession. When I, when I sing it, like, in a place that there's, like, not believers, they can't understand why they cry. But, I mean, we know it's the Holy Spirit. Um, but uh, it's, like, my love song to New Orleans. floods Nola knows something about spirits and Nola knows something about mud Nola knows something about spirits Nola knows something about blood Nola knows something about the devil Nola knows something about God Nola, baby, you ain't that far away He'll run to meet you today Nola, baby, just turn around once again and the Father will throw you a welcome home party Cause his baby came home to him Nola knows something about spirits Nola knows a lot about blood And Nola 
You know the devil, but no love. You know something about God, Lola, baby. You ain't that far away. He'll run to meet you today, Lola, baby. Just turn around once again, and the Father will throw you a welcome home party, 'cause his baby came home to him. Yes, you did. Yes, you are. You're coming home again to your father. Turn around. Now, the baby, you ain't that far. You ain't that far. And he's running. He's running to meet you. Just turn around once again, and the Father, He will throw you a great big welcome home party. 'Cause His baby came home to Him. Hey, Dad, Dad, dig it, 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 dig Give it up for the band. <laughs> this is Joel. This is Jess Matier. She's my assistant at Saints Community. She's a 2012 grad from the Music Business Program here, and she is my assistant. And I'm so glad she's here with me. Um, this year, I had the privilege of releasing a new album. Um, we recorded it with local players in New Orleans. Um, some of them know the Lord, and some of them don't. <laughs> Uh, but we just wanted to capture that New Orleans sound. It is on Spotify. It is on Apple Music. But here's the thing: if you listen to it on Spotify, you'll listen to it like three times. But if you pick up the CD, you'll put it in your car and you'll listen to it for like a year. So usually I ask people for ten dollars. But here, whatever you have, if you have a dollar in your pocket, please pick it up. I want to make sure that you have it. Um, plus, if you're a real musician, you know that the hard copy is always going to have a better quality sound. So anyway, hey. Um, let's put up the first picture. It's of my family. It's my family. That's Wayne. Anybody here know Wayne Northup? Anybody familiar with him? Been with him at camp or anything? Um, Libby is 11, and Lincoln is seven, and Charlie is an old dog. And I'm having a baby. I'm almost four months along. Um, Seth McMullen. Seth, let me stand for a second. Seth is from our home church in New Orleans. Just wave. And he is, yeah, give him a hand. He is leading the trip to Mardi Gras. And we're going to talk about that in a second. And then my sister and Tori, Elizabeth and Tori Farina, um, they church planted Liberty Church in Woodbury. My sister is my dearest friend, my confidant, my counselor, my advisor, all of that. Um, and if you want to learn what it means to be a married couple in ministry, go seek out these people because they've always done it really well. Um, is Larry back in the house? I hope he's here because I just want you to know 
It means so much to me to have him here today. Larry is one of, there he is, all right, whew, he's here. Um, he's one of the, he was probably the most influential professor in my life for my years at North Central. I love him so much, and I'm just grateful for his influence, not only on my musicianship, but on my leadership as well. So, love you, Larry. Um, and Pastor Grogan, anybody here know Papa G? So after my parents, Pastor Grogan is the greatest mentor in my life. He married us. He planted our church. He is a true spiritual father. And um, I've asked him to come up in a few minutes and um, just share a little bit. So many others here that I respect and love. Thank you for being here today. Um, I do just want to mention North Central is bringing a team to Mardi Gras this year. Now listen, <laughs> the school is okay with it. It's a school-sanctioned trip. So I just want to make sure you know that. You will probably have to miss some class, but you get like nine skips. So like save back three of them. I'm telling you, there is not another missions trip you will ever go on that will be more of a spiritual catalyst in your life. You will make divine appointments. You, God will break your heart for people in a way you didn't know was possible. You don't have to know how to share your faith. You just have to want to. That's all. That's what we do. We just take young adults, college-age people, and teach them, give them some tools for how they can share their faith and how they can move in the spirit. So see Adam Sikorsi or Seth McMullen. Um. You know, a lot of leaders speak negatively about millennials. They say they're overconfident, they have an entitlement problem, they don't want to work hard. Anybody ever heard those? Yes. Um, but I have found that millennials, when presented with the right challenge, are some of the most committed, creative, dynamic people we have to work with in the body of Christ today. So I'm not really going to preach today. I'm just going to share a verse, share our story, and tell you some stories of some millennials that helped us establish Saints Community Church. Is that all right? Um, let's look at the scripture, Matthew 13, 44. And we can keep it up. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again, and then in his joy went and sold all he had and bought that field. Can somebody grab my water? Lord, I just pray that you would speak. Lord, it's not my words that matter, but I pray that your spirit would speak to the spirit of every student and leader in this place today. In your name we pray. Amen. When I came to NCU, I was one of those students who didn't really know what I wanted to do, which is why I changed my major like four times. I just knew that I wanted to see people saved. I wanted to see city people, suburban people, people in rural settings, older people, younger people, black people, white people, Latino people, Somali people. I just wanted to see them Come to the Lord. I didn't know if that meant pastoring or evangelism, but I just wanted to see people know Jesus. I'm a missionary kid from Chile, and I had been back in the U.S. for about a month when I came to move into the dorms at North Central. And the very first day I moved in the dorms, they split us up in these little groups, you know, so you can get to know people. And the group leader was this little guy, and I remember thinking, he says dude and Jesus a lot. <laughs> And I was like, man, I wonder if all American guys are like that. And I quickly found out no American guys were like this guy. And that was Wayne Northup. He was my group leader. Met him the day I moved in the dorms. So we were friends all through college. He started traveling during his college years as an evangelist. And then we took homiletics two together with Dr. Gill, who some of you may know. He was by far the best preacher in the class. And um, that mattered more than I realized until that moment. And um, then, so it, we were friends all through school, and it took him about four years to work up the nerve to ask me out, but he finally did, and a year later, Pastor Grogan married us. So, praise the Lord. 
And I had graduated. Thank you, Lord. Um, so <laughs> when Wayne was a junior here at North Central, he was asked to go to New Orleans to represent the school for an urban missions trip. And from that very first trip, the Lord just broke his heart, just wrecked him for the city of New Orleans. And that year, he brought 12 people. He watched the altars and saw who was going after God and brought those people with him to New Orleans. And they led about 60 people to the Lord on the streets. And the next year, he brought about 70 people. And then that was kind of when we were getting together. And I was like, man, I'm not really into street witnessing. It's not really my thing. But I was going to marry the street evangelist guy, so I thought I should probably go to New Orleans. I went for Mardi Gras that year, cried my eyes out, and then I went back that summer. And the poverty that I saw in New Orleans was so heart-wrenching because injustice and unrighteousness always go together. They always come in pairs. And I knew that there was treasure in that field. That year, 240 came to Mardi Gras, including 100 North Central students, and it just snowballed from there. Over the years, we've brought over 5,000 young adults to New Orleans for the Mardi Gras outreach. Wayne had the same passion to see people saved that I did. We lived an awesome life. We were traveling nonstop. He was doing school assemblies during the day and the night rallies where hundreds of kids would respond for salvation. We were launching youth ministries. We did youth camp or youth convention in more than 20 states. Um, it, we had a, I, led, I would lead worship and we always had a team that traveled with us. It was exhausting, but it was so fun. And we believed in the local church. When we were home, we were always involved. So we ended up on staff at Emmanuel Christian Center as the staff evangelists. Yeah, give Emmanuel a little shout out. And then God opened the doors for us to be the internship directors at the Oak School of Leadership in Dallas. Wayne directed the evangelism internship. I directed the worship internship. And it was a really special time because we made the greatest friends in ministry you could ever ask for. Um, we all lived in the same neighborhood. John Davidson lived four houses down from us. We had a beautiful, brand new home. Everything we could ever ask for. But deep in our hearts, we knew there was a treasure buried in a field. It was the message of Christ for the city of New Orleans. And see, some of you, you know where there's treasure. And you know where the field is. God has put a city a country, a people group in your heart, and you can't shake it. You know the treasure of Christ is there. So Hurricane Katrina quit, hit, and after coordinating 25 relief teams, we realized that God was calling us to plant a church in New Orleans. Now, this is how you know it's God, because when you plant a church, you're supposed to do the demographic study and figure out what is the fastest growing community. Well, New Orleans had lost half of its population. It was a dying city. Uh, it is a violent place. It has 10 times the national average for murder. It's a place full of witchcraft, darkness, rampant substance abuse. The economy is built on partying and adult entertainment. But you know what? Where sin abounds, grace abounds even more. The darker it is, the more opportunity there is for grace to overcome. And it was the perfect place to plant a church. So it's time for us to sell everything and buy the field. So we put our house on the market. We resigned our position at the Oaks. I've always been really proud of Wayne because he walked away from the success of evangelism. His calendar was overflowing, and that was our entire income. But he was committed to going 100% for the church plant. So he went about four years where he did virtually no traveling. And he's always said, God didn't call us to plant a church. He called us to reach a city. On my 34th birthday, we signed the papers to sell our beautiful house. We were selling at the bottom of the market. We lost over $60,000 on our house. 
We practically gave it away. And miraculously, God provided a way for us to bring the cash that we needed to get out from under it. And that's what's crazy about the miraculous, is that sometimes it hurts, but God is still in it. So we moved into a dumpy rental and started looking for a facility. Now, it had only been a few years since Katrina. There were still no schools, no restaurants, no theaters in the part of the city that we thought we were going to be. Over the course of four months, we were turned down at 52 venues. But we were really excited when we ended up at a dumpy middle school two blocks from our dumpy rental. We were so broke. We sold our SUV because we could not swing the payments. I took a job at Starbucks, and I'm actually very uncoordinated, and I'm not a multitasker. So now I'm driving the 15-passenger Saints Community Church van to Starbucks at 5 o'clock in the morning to work in the nicest part of town. Mother Teresa once said that humiliation brings humility, and let me tell you, it was humiliating. But through it all, there was one thing that kept us from quitting. I'd love to say it was the call, it was the presence of God, but it was our team. We knew that the city was too dark for us to go it alone. We were internship directors, and between us, we'd had about 50 students. We brought, had brought all those people to Mardi Gras and began to ask the Lord, who do you want us to ask to come, come with us? We knew it was too hard a place for them to come just because they liked us or liked working with us. They had to have their own call to the city of New Orleans. So with our pastor's blessing at the Oaks, we began approaching people about going with us. So here's how our pitch went. I had read about Amy Carmichael and her work in India and how she offered people a chance to die. So we would say, we can't offer you money. We can't give you a title. We can't give you a position. We don't even know what your role is going to be. We just need you to come, get a job, make friends, and bring those people to the church. We are offering you a chance to die. It was really inspirational and exciting. So there were people we thought for sure would join us, and they said no. They were worried about the safety. How are they going to survive? How, what were they going to live on? Legitimate concerns. I mean, we knew this was crazy. So we started asking the students that weren't on the A-team, you know, the ones that weren't offered a position at the church before they left school. They were just kind of overlooked, but they were committed. They were sharp. They were passionate, and remarkably, every one of them had a story of how God had put New Orleans in their hearts. So we made the move in January of 2011, and in March, or I'm sorry, in May, 23 people made the move. One couple, Nathan and Emily Brown, he had just finished his Master of Divinity um, at Southwestern, and he worked in law. He walked around with a stack of resumes in his hand for three days, stopped at law firms, and at the end of three days, he had three job offers from law firms. And he's, at the age of 28, he became one of our elders. He's on our teaching team. We call him our resident theologian. Another family saw the post on Facebook. They were youth pastors in Mississippi, and they felt God calling them to leave their position, take jobs, so that they could come help us plant the church. She's been Wayne's personal assistant, and Justin was our setup coordinator for four years while we were portable. But then there were our former students, 14 of them. They were so young, and a lot of them had only ever lived at home or in the dorms. And they didn't have great skills to offer. Some of them raised a little monthly support, but most of them got low-paying jobs at the mall. One guy in particular, his name was Joseph Jones, really sharp African-American student. He'd been Wayne's assistant. He could not find a job. For three months, he searched. He finally found a job at a vet clinic called Pet Care Center, working in the dog kennel, scooping poop 
for $7 an hour. It was a terrible job, but they had lots of openings. So pretty soon, three other people from our team, Wes and Lauren and Justin Lyles, they joined them there. Now there's four of them. They're scooping up the poop. They're wiping up the pee. They're walking the dogs. They always smelled like animals. I'm not going to lie. Um, but they started making friends. It was a bunch of people working there that were their age. They were kind of aimless, and they, they were started inviting them to the launch of our church. They invited Nick and Adriana, and they were the first people to come to Christ before we ever even launched. They invited Jeremy Cruz, a special needs young adult who came with his mom and still comes. They invited Sean Fonseca, who was a volunteer firefighter. They invited Dax, who was the manager of the kennel, and he came with his girlfriend, Catherine. And they invited Lindsay and Ray Lynn, a lesbian couple who'd been together for four years. And Ray Lynn brought her twin sister, Raven. So that very first launch service, several of them responded, including Lindsay and Ray Lynn, for salvation. Thirteen people total came to the altar that morning. And those young women, they dove in headfirst, devouring the Bible, meeting with one of the girls at Pet Care Center for Discipleship. And about six weeks later, Lindsay just felt like God was asking her to break off the relationship with Ray Lynn. No one had said anything to her, but Preston and I were talking about this yesterday. See, when you give people Jesus, when you help them fall in love with Jesus, he begins to deal with their sin and their shame and their brokenness and their pain. Lindsay started bringing her parents and then her brother was in a terrible accident and our church reached out to their family and her brother started coming with his girlfriend and there are three kids. And um, then her parents brought another family, the Wagamonts, and they had a couple kids. And Raylin and Raven kind of dropped off, but Lindsay kept growing. Eventually she joined us for Mardi Gras, which was a big deal because our locals are terrified of what we do at Mardi Gras. Um, and she had always been in a crew. A crew is a Mardi Gras social club. She'd been in it her entire life and she left the crew, which was a really big deal. She went through our leadership training, was baptized in the Holy Spirit, and she, she for several years has been one of our kids' ministry coaches. Um, put the next picture up. So last year, Lindsay met this awesome Holy Ghost guy, Josh, and he was just crazy about her confidence. Nope, not one, the wedding couple. Yeah, that's Schaefer. He got saved in our church too. There we go. There they are. Lindsay and Josh. So they're like two peas in a pod. They are so good together. He's one of my worship leaders. He loves the presence of God. And this year, Wayne married them in our church. It was awesome. It was a beautiful day. And her life is completely transformed because of the love of Christ. Four years after Lindsay had completely given her life to Jesus, Raven, you know, the twin sister of the ex-girlfriend, came one morning. And now she had a baby girl, and she was in an abusive relationship and Wayne was just kind of sharing a little bit about Lindsay's story and how you can grow in God. And when she heard it, Raven said, if I had stayed walking with God, that could have been me. And from that day on, she just was committed. She was there every Sunday, brought her little girl and um, joined a women's growth group. And when her abusive boyfriend stole everything out of her, appointment, uh, her apartment and sold it for drugs, her growth group gave her a shower. They got her towels and they got her dishes and they got her a microwave. And now she's been baptized, she's been through discipleship, she's one of our assistant growth group leaders, and she's helping other single moms live for God. And this year, her sister, Ray Lynn, came back. She's in a women's group, learning how much Jesus loves her and values her. And I remember a couple weeks ago seeing Seth's dad, David McMullen, he's this big guy, we had people paired up because it was right after Charlottesville, and he just put his arm around Ray Lynn, and she just looked so safe and so happy, and I'm just so grateful we have a place where people can come and find Jesus. 
put up the picture of um, Raylin and, and uh, yeah, there they are, the twin sisters and then the little girl. Because some young people knew that there was treasure and they sold it all to buy a field. They were willing to be obedient, to sacrifice it all. And Justin Lyles and I added it up. 35 people have come to the Lord from Pet Care Center or their family members. That, yeah, give the Lord a hand. That was how our church was started. It was a move of God born out of obedience. And put up the next picture. Justin Lyles has come on our pastoral staff with us. He's the director of Answering the Cries. Nope, that's Schaefer again. We love Schaefer. He loves Jesus too now. We're so glad. That's Justin, Justin Lyles. Um, he has come on our pastoral staff. He's the director of Answering the Cries Mardi Gras Outreach. He's married to Heather. They have a baby, and he's the chaplain for the East Jefferson uh, High School football team. And show me the next picture. All right, wasn't Schaefer again. Joseph Jones. So Joseph Jones, the guy that started at the, at the vet kennel, he, became, he moved up to become a vet tech, and then he became an animal surgery tech, and then he was hired at the human hospital as an anesthesia tech, and then he went back to school, and now he is serving, and after, because of that crazy kennel job, and he led like a dozen people to the Lord, he's serving as a certified surgical technologist on a transplant team in Indianapolis, assisting in the operating room with every kind of transplant day and night. Our slogan for these start events is finish your degree and join a team. I hope you see the impact a willing person can make on people, on a community. We need every possible kind of team member. We need media people, set up people, community outreach people, growth group leaders, kids workers, theologians, worship team members. There is more work to do than there are laborers. And I don't have time to tell you everything we've been through. Wayne was sick for three years, sick unto death. We've faced natural disasters, always the constant threat of violence, financial strain that almost broke us. But God has poured out his richest blessings on us. We've led five families to the Lord from our soccer team. I've played music with some of the greatest players in New Orleans and shared the heart of God with them for the first time in their lives. We've seen miraculous healings. And the Lord has established his church. It's an urban church in the heart of the black community reaching Catholics and pagans and brain surgeons and disabled vets and white people and black people and Latinos and Asians and old people and young people and rich people and poor people. This is our field. This is the city of New Orleans. This is our treasure, and his name is Jesus. When I was a sophomore here at North Central, I remember hearing a missionary from Africa. I can't tell you his name or his country, but I remember his challenge. He said, don't apply for something that 50 other people apply for. Go do something that no one wants to do. Go somewhere that no one wants to go. Serve the people that they are unwilling or unable to serve. And that day in this chapel, I said, God, please let me serve the people that no one is willing to serve. And I believe that by his grace, he's allowed me to do that. Some of you are like my husband. God has shown you a field There's a place, a city, a people. You can't get it out of your heart. You cry when you pray. You dream about it at night. There's no place in the world that feels more like home. It's your field and it's where your treasure lies. Some of you, others are like me. You're just willing, willing to go where others won't go. Serve the unglamorous, the undignified. Do what others are unwilling or unable to do. 
And God is asking you this morning, will you live a life of obedience? Will you make it about more than a job, a comfortable salary, a position, a title? Will you leave it all behind? Because that's where the treasure is. Will you dig into the dirt of people's lives and lead them to Jesus? Are you willing to give up your rights and to serve? I'm going to ask Pastor Grogan to come. I know we're, you know, getting close to tummies rumbling, but I just want him to share a quick thought, and then we're going to open up these altars. When I was here in 1971, we had a massive coming of the Lord's presence, and that's what we want. We want the Lord's presence to come. We don't want to try to whip it up. We don't want to try to psych it up. I was raised in a Pentecostal church, but a little resistant. Dick Eastman was our evangelist. He was, he's Karen Hagen's first cousin. He runs Every Home for Christ, a worldwide ministry. And we were over in the little chapel. There were only about 350 students when your parents and I were here together. And I don't remember if he put all the guys on the second floor or on the first floor and the girls on the other floor. And he prayed for every single one of us and prophesied over us. After that, I looked back over my childhood and I saw people that had prophesied over me, but I didn't know what it was. And I was kind of resistant. People were falling under the power. And I said, I'm not going to fall under the power. And I backed up against the wall on the second or the first floor, and he prayed for me. And just the power of God came, the presence of God came, and I melted like butter. This was the charismatic renewal. This was the Jesus people movement. Activism everywhere. Um, I almost said Sandy Patty, but Sandy Hurst was doing a gig over at the, the Capitol building. And we took about 100 North Central students with Jim Bradford from Chi Alpha to witness. Some got arrested. There was just social upheaval everywhere, assassinations, uh, police brutality. But in the midst of all of that darkness and sickness, God came. And that's what we want. God to come. And Christy, great job. Love you so much. Tomorrow I'm talking about being a spiritual father, and she's going to be with me, and then we're going to drive all the way back to Urbana, Illinois, in a new car that's being given to them, and then also to New Orleans on Friday. Please come to Mardi Gras Outreach. Please be open. Open your heart. Open your mind. We're so excited about your future. We love you. I asked Pastor to share that because I have sensed in my heart for the last few months that just like the Jesus People movement, where I see some of the most radical people in my church are in their 60s because that's when they came to the Lord. They had long hair. They were hippies. They were activists. They were, they were smoking pot and doing drugs. And in my mind's eye, I can see Black Lives Matter activists coming into the church, and I can see gun rights activists coming into the church. And I just believe there is a move of God coming that is going to resemble that and it blew the doors off the church all they could do was just open up the doors and invite people in so I'm going to ask you to stand and I'm going to ask you to come I'm going to ask you to respond simply as a physical act of worship and commitment I just want you to come and kneel come and stand I want the church planners to come lay hands on students and let's just take a few minutes maybe you come alone maybe you come with a friend that you've dreamt of planting together, but just come with all your gifts and all your faults, and let's just spend a few minutes responding to the Lord. Jesus. 
Jesus, we just want to do something for you, Lord. We just want you to use these hands. We want you to use these voices. We want you to use our lives, Lord God. Lord, there's nothing greater than obeying you, Lord, because you can do so much more than what we're able to do on our own. We just offer up ourselves to you, Lord. If you need to head out, you're welcome to head out. But if you can stay, we'd like you to stay and pray. And just, just as a demonstration, as a physical demonstration to the Lord. God, I just ask, Lord, for students that are saying, I'm just willing, Lord. I'm willing to go where others won't go. I'm willing to serve the unglamorous, the undignified, to do what others are unwilling or unable to do. I'm praying for students that you've shown them a field, Lord. You've shown them a place, a city, a people. Lord, I just pray, God, that as they hide that treasure in their hearts, they hide, that, they hide it in that field, Lord. God, that you would keep it alive and you would keep the passion burning, Lord. Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, we just pray that you would speak to people. Show them what they have in their hands, Lord. Show them what they can give, Lord. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Jesus. We lift up your name, O Lord.